0: Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition, where we look at the new normal as the world begins to recover from the global pandemic. I'm David Robinson, online editor at The Banker, and my guest today is Alexon Bell, co founder and chief product officer at software firm Quantexa. Alexon, welcome. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. Today, we're looking at money laundering and the role that algorithms and artificial intelligence can play in tackling the problem. And money laundering remains a huge global problem. The UN estimates that between 2 and 5% of global GDP is laundered each year. That's about a trillion dollars moved illegally on an annual basis. And of course, global banks are invariably implicated. Over the past 12 years, 46 billion US in fines has been levied against financial institutions for money laundering violations. Now, the release of the FinCEN files last year ramped up the pressure, highlighting banks' ongoing participation, essentially in criminality. And in the FinCEN files, most of the leaks were suspicious activity reports, SARs, which banks used to report suspicious behavior. One of the problems it's highlighted is that banks can take too long to report suspicious activity and take action. Alexa, can I bring you in here? How can technology, algorithms, AI improve the AML detection process?
1: Thank you, David. So I think AI is the buzzword at the moment. Um, And at Quantexa, we do love AI, um, but I think we we like to use it with a word of caution, right? I think some people think it's the cure-all to everything. Um, and we would actually say that it should be part of a broader solution set. Um, and where we've kind of worked with the banks, um, what we have observed is that actually um, when you want to solve a problem, um, and especially if you want to use AI, it really does start with data. Right? It starts with the ability to, uh, first of all, join information together. And these algorithms are very powerful. But... Um, if they are starved for with in, of information and outcomes, they can't actually make the decisions um, and they can't do that faster. So um, when we've looked at this, I think it's really about understanding what these algorithms can do and deploying them most appropriately to solve the problem. Um, and what we don't want to do is build an AI algorithm that does things faster. But essentially, it's still replicating the bad decisions of the past, and that's one of the kind of words of caution: is that artificial intelligence or machine learning, right, does learn from past behaviours, and if the control processes within the bank aren't as good or robust as people would like, with kind of things like human bias or, you know, not not fully trained investigators making decisions. If you build AI over the top of that, it's just going to replicate the poor decisions of the past. And what we want to do is inject technology into that process so that actually, um, by delivering context and working with data in the right way, you can actually change those previously bad decisions into good decisions. And you can start to identify the criminality that you have first missed
0: interesting can you talk a little bit about uh, detecting uh, identifying issues in suspicious activity reports something i mentioned earlier
1: yeah absolutely so i think if you think about the technology that's currently used um, in a kind of traditional transaction monitoring system um, they actually rely on very kind of limited amounts of data so they look at transactions hence the name um, but also they look at the value and the volume at different levels of aggregation, so accounts or customers. They might do some anomaly detections around segments or peer groups. Um, And these produce tremendous amounts of false positives. Literally, at the moment, industry norms are about 95% of all alerts that are generated by these traditional systems are false positives. Um, And what that means is that um, a human investigator then has to pick up that output and try and understand whether this is truly something suspicious or actually is this something normal, right? So um, to give you an example, um, a a person buying a house, right, gets alerted within a transaction monitoring system, right, because it looks unusual. Um, Quantexa has been alerted uh, for money laundering. So when it received its funds from its investment rounds, right, it triggered uh, the TM systems within banks. And this is where a new approach has come in around looking at context. Human investigators essentially ask the questions that the traditional systems can't answer. So human investigators will say, well, who sent the money to you? Okay. And then they'll ask, well, who's connected to that money? And that's actually one of the things that was most um, at the top of the FinCEN uh, report was banks didn't know who they were doing business with. So engines like Quantexa who generate uh, context um, use external data sets and they use networks to basically piece together information so that banks now with the next generation of capabilities um, are able to ask those questions of the data and come up with answers they'll know the type of business that they are doing business with by um, using um, techniques like entity resolution but it's essentially um, you know, a complex name for a, a simple process of being able to join disparate data sets around a business, for example. And those data sets are available with commercial providers like BVD and d and um, And now you can understand the industry codes, um, there, their financials, right? Do they, does it make sense that this $10 million transaction comes from a small company or a company that's just been set up right, in the last three months? Probably not. And it can allow you to identify those connections to potential criminality or corrupt politicians, as mentioned in FinCEN. So these are the modern techniques that are making a difference in this world. Um, And that difference is both in identifying um, uh, risky transactions of money laundering, but also reducing false positives by 75 80%. It is quite transformative.
0: Well, thank you. Um... Obviously, banks are at different stages in their digital transformation. How can this kind of technology be applied at very different types of institutions with very different types of backgrounds and systems?
1: Um, Yeah, and I think this is, um, you know, it's real life, right? The banks are of different sizes and scales and different maturities of technology. And I think the modern approaches to transaction monitoring are very sympathetic to that. You know, legacy approaches expected the banks to conform to a standard data model um, and to do things in a set way, um, and almost kind of straitjacketed them in regards to what data they could use and what analytics they could deploy to solve the problem. You know, the modern platforms are about working in harmony um, with uh, the banking data and technology ecosystem. Um, and what we are seeing is that actually there's a spectrum of banks and you kind of see those on kind of adoption curves. You've got those kind of early adopters who are, you know, bold and they want to replace the old systems with a new technology. Um, we have those kind of more cautious organisations that are essentially asking the modern technology to work in coexistence and harmony with the old platform. So kind of augmenting that system um, extending its life, proving um, that actually the new approach does work, um, and we see that spectrum. And um, you know, we we talk about a kind of augmentation to replace strategy, where if you want to, yes, you can augment to the the kind of new version of contextual monitoring, or actually you can start to deploy some of those capabilities in and around your existing control framework, but and still get a lot of benefit. And I think that is because at the heart of this problem, um, it's data. And if you're able to work with data in an effective manner, you can drive value at different contact points through that process. It could be just getting better data into the transaction monitoring system, right? Most organizations are focusing on the output of that and helping to kind of uh, make investigators... um, more performant, so they make faster, better decisions. So you talked about taking a long time. Well, with these engines providing more context on uh, the customer and the counterparty and connected relationships, investigators can come to a quicker decision on that. And actually, it's a more consistent and accurate decision. Also, these techniques are able to kind of sit and identify the more complex forms and professional forms of money laundering that the more traditional systems um, have missed. And so, actually, there's there's, there's quite a lot of organisations that go down that route. Um, Obviously, if they're bolder, um, they go down to a replacement route in the first instance.
0: Um, Our final question, I think you'd be very well placed uh, to answer this, Alexon. How is this kind of technology developing? Where is it going and where might we be in, say, a decade's time in terms of tackling money laundering?
1: Um, I think we are in one of the most exciting times um, in the AML business right now. Um, it is going through um, an, uh, a stage of disruption. Uh, new technologies are proving to be far more effective in the fight against money laundering. So that's the detection, prevention, and disruption of financial crime. Um, and we are seeing, you know, um, a massive movement away from the traditional approaches that have caused these. Kind of big expensive human processes and an update process of technology into um, a far more uh, focused um, solution to tackle the problem so what we are seeing is essentially um, the 95 percent false positive rates when you have a contextual engine um, using entities and networks essentially disappear right you're able to replicate the human uh, decision-making process of investigators because the data is in the platform. You can apply AI and machine learning. So this means that in the new world of of, of AML trend, uh, monitoring, level one right is very small or doesn't exist at all. Right, these people were traditionally discounting false positives. Now you have platforms and engines that are asking the questions that investigators used to ask post-alert, but in detection. Who is sending the money do i know who you're connected to does it make sense based upon your size and this organization to receive this money that's truly transformative and that now allows you to have a bigger kind of more complex investigation teams um, to really focus on that kind of professional and criminal money laundering i think also we're seeing developments in sharing of information so in the uk there's gymlets like right, this 314B in the US, where intelligence agencies and law enforcement can share critical bits of information on companies or individuals, and banks can start to basically look for them within their systems. Um, and that really will start to become a kind of increasing area where banks and law enforcement work in conjunction with, the, with each other to combat financial crime. Um, and investigation effort now where has been freed up from not working the false positives, will start to be dedicated towards identifying um, these kind of uh, law enforcement or government um, referrals into the systems or referrals from other banks, right, in in consortium. Um, And that will be um, a kind of huge step forward in being able to kind of combat financial crime because the criminals are talking to each other, right? The banking industry and actually the, the wider financial services industry needs to talk with each other and with law enforcement and with other jurisdictions, because this is not a singular bank, singular country problem. It's a global problem that needs to have a global response and a kind of harmonised response across different institutions um, and private and public partnership as well.
0: Well, Alex, and thank you very much for your time today. Do keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and ACAST, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the
1: following message come from Coriant.